Hello, I'm Ali Tweedale and welcome to the Coach's Voice CB Spaces podcast. Each week on a Monday at 5.30, we're joined by two highly qualified coaches live on Twitter Spaces. That's where we dissect one of the most interesting tactical points from the weekend's action, as well as sharing coaching advice and insights with our audience. This week is a bit different though, as the Premier League's winter break meant there was no football to analyse, so instead we decided to speak about the January transfer window. First up, we're delighted to welcome back to CV Spaces, well, CV Spaces veteran now, uh, Cardiff first team coach Mark Hudson. Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, congratulations on the win over Forest yesterday. It was a big one for you guys. Yeah, it was a big one. Um, and again, thanks for having me on. I don't know about, um, I've been on a regular, but yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me. And um, yeah, obviously a good mood after, after what was a, a great result yesterday. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Um, and yeah, busy. It's been a, a busy day for Mark uh, at Cardiff. Um, and alongside Mark, we're excited to welcome along to CV Spaces, Arsenal Under-13s head coach, Cy Copley. Cy, thanks so much for joining us. Have you spent your transfer deadline day out on the grass? Uh, no, uh, it is a brutal answer. I'm working from, from home with a lot of COVID restrictions. Um, we're sharing sort of training ground with 18s coming down to our training ground, and uh, so no, I've, I've spent my day on on Teams and Zooms calls, and uh, and and juggling a daughter at home from from school at the same time. So not quite as exciting as transfer deadline day, but yeah, still busy nonetheless. The the less glamorous side, of, yeah, the uh, truth, yeah, the, re- the reality <laughs> side of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, well, thanks again for joining us. Um, right, on to this week's theme. Uh, so we're going to be talking about new players arriving. Um, obviously, we're going live out with this at 5.30 on a Monday. So there's plenty of chance that a bigger deal might happen later after we've recorded it. Or I suppose one might even happen while we're on air. So I'll be keeping an eye on things so we can try and stay as up to date as possible. Mark, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I know we can't talk too much in too much detail about Cardiff and your current work. Um but you've got some experience of the January transfer window at the top end of the game uh, with Huddersfield and during your playing career. What do you make of it all? I mean, I think it's a it's, it's a good opportunity to with the window in January to to freshen up your squad. Um, the, I mean, it brings uncertainty as well, um, depending on the ins and outs of the game. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity in in January. Um, I know that there's sort of an argument for that, but um, it's it's something you have to be mindful of of balancing your squad and the mood. Um, but yeah, no, I I think it's a good opportunity. Um, depending on what what club you're at and what budget you have, and if you can work within that, um, it, like I said, it gives you an opportunity to to bring in maybe what you need. Um, and like I said, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Nice. You say it brings uncertainty. Do you ever? feel like maybe even when you from when you were a player did you did you could you notice that around around training um that that there was some kind of uh, uncertainty for any players um I, I think obviously if you're in form you're an informed player and and someone's going to come and try and get you i think that you've you've got to focus on doing your job for your club and i think that that's what you is your main sort of task really i think you have to take that into account but from my point of view i think Everyone knows that the window's there. 
Um, and again, it's, it's about doing your job to the best of your ability. Um, and what will be will be, I suppose, at the end of the day uh, with, with moves and, and what comes with it. Um, and it's, it's, it's down to everyone, to, like I said, to, to create that understanding and, and, and to balance, like I said, to balance the mood and, and make sure that we're aware of what's going on with open communication. So, um, like I said, I, I see it as an opportunity that you can, you can focus on what you need and, and go from there. Nice. Um, Sai, your experience is more at youth academy level. Um, so you've you've helped through play, bring through players like Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, Charlie Patino, Ben Johnson at West Ham. Um, so you must have seen plenty of players kind of jump up age groups uh, and then be sort of challenged in a new environment. Um, have you, can you draw on any experiences you've got to kind of tell us what what can be done by coaches to help players settle in kind of new a new environment? I think it's um, helping players settling isn't, isn't something you do at the point of a of a transition from a from an age group to age group, and it's certainly not a transition um, when they go into senior football, whether that's as a first year scholar or a, a second year scholar. That the work is done at foundation phase, the work is done in the early youth development phase, and and certainly at the at the back end of that. When you when you have players at thirteen and fourteen, and you're offering them, you know, t- another two years, or with one eye at the end of under 15s offering them scholarships. So I think the work is done then. I think, you know, ironically, you know, Mark reflects on the transfer window. The transfer window for some is beneficial because of new, because of new managers, and and they've got they've got a job to do uh, under a lot of pressure. Um, if you've got a club that's got a manager uh, like like we have at Arsenal in Mikel that that has had a relationship with our academy manager in Per Mertesacker, that dialogue is there. So so what he's looking for filters down on a on a daily basis. He has a very keen interest, has been proven by our success with playing youth team players in the first team recently. He has a vested interest in what the structure looks like beneath him. Um he's a, has a massive um massive insight into character. He's really big on character um and how you can work with character. So those transitions are I mean, maybe not so much foundation phase because you just want the, the, the boys to sort of develop and enjoy the game, but certainly as they come into early youth and definitely lastly, uh, late youth development phase, those um, characteristics and attributes are already there. It's, it's not a last minute, lastminute.com. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gradual process by the time that actually happens. Interesting stuff. Um, right, well, on to the Premier League transfer window. Um, I think the the only place we can really start is with Newcastle. Um, I'll come to you first, Mark. Um, they've brought in Bruno Guimaraes, um, Chris Wood, Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, I think, is nearly done. Um, Mark, how hard do you think, I mean, you, you might have seen this happen in your career at some point. Um, how hard is, is it or do you think it would be to integrate that many new players into a squad midway through a season? Well, I think if you look at Newcastle, yeah, they've made, um, you've mentioned the four new signings there. Um, I, I'm sure they have in place um, player liaisons um, if there's translators needed. Um, and again, if you, you focus on the support that's around the club, um, you've got players that are moving, possibly moving home, the logistics side of it. Um, that will be taken care of. And I think if you're looking at a coach's point of view, there might not be a, a lot of time on the grass. So what you're looking at uh, sort of developing is it, like an introduction to 
first your your playing philosophy, um, your structure of the team, and that will be, I would suppose, depending on the club, but be delivered via visuals. Um, probably be in the in the meeting room, um, and can go through a, a structural sort of process of what is required from the player. Obviously, bringing in the player, you know what they're going to bring to your squad. Um, but again, it's it's then spending the time with them, creating a relationship, um, having an open environment where they, they feel supported within that and, and sort of freeing them up to go and do what they do best, really. Fair play. Um, Sai, what do you think Eddie Howe's trying to do with his squad? What's, what's the, what are the changes he's making, sort of indicating to you he's trying to do with that team? I think he's got a difficult job. Um, and, and, and I think the changes he's making to some degree, it, I, I kind of pity that I, I kind of pity the coach that takes over Newcastle first, if that makes sense, the head coach, um, because there's a lot of pressure and this January transfer window isn't, isn't, isn't traditionally the best one for getting your better players. And he's obviously got a battle on his hands for instant results under, in a pressure environment. And the four, the four players you listed, I would say that if, he's, if it was at the start of the season he was brought in, I, th- I think he probably wouldn't even look at those players or or those players are slightly maybe forced upon him a little bit more. Um, in terms of what he's done, obviously, he's done a great job with, with Bournemouth and, uh, when he was at Bournemouth and he brought them through with you know not, not much of a budget and a great track record with youth team players and, and making average players good. And now it's a totally different kettle of fish and I just hope he gets the time to do it. But yeah. It's, it's probably a whole new thing for Eddie as well to have that that pressure and that budget. Um, I did my my qualifications with Jason Tyndall, um, and he's just a regular guy. I'm sure he'll be. It's a whole new new thing for him as well. So what what they're trying to do um, is obviously rejuvenate and and, and get get Newcastle kick started. How easy that will be? Who knows? Yeah, fair enough. Any any thoughts, Mark, on uh, the job Eddie Howe's got in his hands? Well, yeah, of course, it's it's a results results business, isn't it? And he he'll be looking to to get more results. And I think if you look at the the window as it is and the squad that they've got, they've they've needed reinforcements. He needs a fresh blood, and I think by doing that, you they become your players. Um, he's adopted a squad. Is when you come in mid season is what you get. Um, and I think he's he's adding where he feels that he needs to add. And so by doing that, again, you get to spend time with these players and they know they feel wanted by the manager and, and then he can, he can go from there. But of course, it's a, it's a difficult job for, for him to do. Um, but he'll back himself and that's what football brings. It brings opportunity every week to, to show and, and, and gel the squad. And like I said, by spending time individually with the players, it might not be on the grass. Um, there's a way of integrating players to squads and giving the responsibility to that squad to look after the players that have been brought in as well and to bring the level of competition up. Um, so you're looking to raise the standards in training by doing that as well. Yeah, I suppose in a, in a weird way, um, having almost limitless money for, to spend, um, but obviously there's a ceiling to the quality of player that Newcastle can bring in. There's a, it's a different challenge for Newcastle, for Eddie Howe at the moment, um, that is quite, kind of quite unique in the game, I suppose. Uh, Manchester City can basically buy whoever they want. Uh, someone like Burnley will be working to much stricter financial uh, restrictions. So, uh, yeah, interesting times at, uh, at Newcastle. Um, si, Liverpool signed uh, Luis Diaz from Porto. Uh, I don't know if you know much about him, if you have any thoughts on him. Um, but also, 
you you might have even at youth level uh, had to try integrating a player who's expecting to play um, regularly from the start. Maybe not regularly, but expecting to play a bit from the start. Um, obviously, that means someone else has to miss out. Um, is there anything that you uh, could could suggest would be a good way of helping kind of manage that transition? Certainly, from um, a youth team perspective, and, and, and I'll be honest, I've no I've, I've no um, knowledge of the, of the Liverpool player they've signed and the reasons behind signing it. But talking about transitioning from um, youth team into first team, and or um, quite often at Arsenal, we would have a would have a, a, a player in that would come in during the half terms at youth team level. That we that obviously certain rules and regulations around signing players and how much they they can be involved in. Especially players with um, you know non-EU players or those sort of players, you often you often get you know it's uh, a few sort of twitchy bums even at youth team level when they're looking at the sort of new face coming in, even trialists coming in. Um, we just signed at youth team level, we just signed a boy from West Brom, and, and naturally it creates that edginess. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of discomfort and, and, and keeping a little bit of complacency or, or making sure there's no complacency, sorry, around the players. I think that's healthy. I think it's um, it's about youth team players driving their journeys um, and, and autonomous learning. And with that becomes a little bit of a, a bit of challenge all the time. So, yeah, there's no sort of fixed rule to, to, to sort of give these boys any comfort because that's part and parcel of the challenge of, fighting for their places and uh, and ensuring that they're performing at their best at every moment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on still on Liverpool, Mark, um, they seem to be very good at their succession planning. Uh, they often bring in players such as Diogo Jota, who came in for Firmino, um, but there was obviously a plan in place for him to eventually become starting starting nine. Um, do you think Diaz is potentially, I mean, he, he could well play straight away and make an impact in the first team straight away. Um, but do you think he is possibly more of a long-term replacement for Sadio Mane or, or even just an alternative to? Well, I think it's obviously we're not going to know exactly what um, Jürgen and the, and the team are, are looking at for for uh, Diaz. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that they would, they plan well, they look into the, they, they monitor players well in advance of, of bringing them in. So they know what they're going to bring. They'll they'll be looking at the character. They'll do all the sort of due diligence on players, and they'll know what they can bring, and they and they back themselves to to make them better players while they're in the building as well. So I think it'd be difficult to say whether he's going to replace. Um, and I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have said that Jota was going to replace, say, Firmino. But I think they know what player that they're bringing into the building, and then it's down to them to to help them progress and become the player that they think. And then squads bring competition and you're looking at the players that are already there to, to raise their levels as well. So that, that healthy competition, like I said, it, it's part and parcel of the game. So you have to take those challenges on board and um, I'm sure that they'll, they'll be working with, with Diaz to, to help him settle as quick as he can and make him feel part of, of Liverpool and 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 the club and introduce him to what the expectations are and then it's again then get him on the training field and and help him progress on to uh frank lampard at everton uh there's been some changes quick changes at the end of the window um si any thoughts on what he's going to be doing uh with the team now that he's brought in 
Deli Ali and Donny van der Beek. How how do you think they could both line up in the same team? I think um, if you look at Lampard's uh, track record, especially at Chelsea, um, I mean, he was sort of very key, very instrumental, him and Jody Morris bringing through a lot of the young players like Tammy Abrahams and Hudson Adoy and Mason Mount and giving them regular football. So he's certainly not going to be adverse to, to sort of giving young, young, talented players an opportunity. And I know Deli Ali seems to have a of a little bit of sometimes a bit of baggage and a bit of stuff with him. But I think Lampard's the kind of person that he can certainly relate to. I mean, he, not just as a, as a as a player, but certainly as a coach, he's very relatable. Um, he has a young backroom staff traditionally with him as well. Um, I think he's with players he's already got like um, Damari Gray, Andros Townsend. He's, uh, he's got young, exciting players, Chuck Deli Alley into that mix. And... Um, I think Mark mentioned earlier about putting your arm around a player's shoulder and making them feel loved. Well, that's what, you know, I don't think Manchester United maybe did that necessarily with Van der Beek for, for a bunch of different reasons, but I think Lampard's uh, certainly a person that you'd aspire to and want to play with. So I think, again, he's another one, probably under a little bit of pressure with, with results. I think not nowhere near as much as Newcastle, but I think that's a really good appointment for Everton. And I hope that's a long appointment. I hope they give him time and I hope they let him time to grow. Um, and Everton have got a very good youth system and got, have traditionally had some some uh, good track record of players coming through. So I think he'll go down that route again and and, and you'll see a, maybe quite a, quite a big change in, in that team. It'll take a bit of time, but I think you'll see a, a really good change in that team. Maybe some promising times for Everton. Mark, any, any thoughts on Everton to add to that? Yeah, I think he's obviously, I think that he spoke earlier about it, about what, um, was expected from him to deliver within trying to sell his idea to the club um, to, to firstly get the role. So the, the ambition and the visions are aligned um, to start with. So that's a, a good blend. Um, and then sort of looking at long-term and short-term planning. And obviously with the short-term planning becomes towards the end of the window. Um, but he will have done his, again, go back to it, his due diligence on the squad and, he knows what he he would have needed by with the signings that he's, he's got bringing into the squad. So he would have known what was required. He knows what he would have wanted to add to the squad, and then it's about working again with open communication within the budgets of of what is what what can be done. Um, and he's he's made um, some quick signings there. And I'm sure that would have been an open conversation from from minute one. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Mark, is there anything that you've experienced uh, either as a player or a, or a coach? I don't maybe maybe any coaches that you played under that you noticed particular things they did uh, well to help players settle. Was there any? I don't know. It could be team building exercises or or even just um, giving them giving them minutes from from the from the very beginning. Well, I think obviously with January you don't get you probably won't get the opportunity to do too much team building, but you can do that on the pitch um, and you can do that in and around your building. And it's about introducing to his new teammates um, again, making them feel welcome, and then taking care of all the the because they're not just players; they're human beings. They've got they could have families, children, um, and making them feel that there's support for them as well to make them settle as quick as they can again moving house is a, a thing that when you when you're moving clubs that is going to happen so again having all those things in place before the player walks through the door so 
again taking the time with them building a relationship individually but showing them where the support that where that support network is uh and being on hand to answer any questions um leaving nothing no stone unturned with that and again i can only speak from i think january window that it speeds the process up but i think if if you're looking at a window in in the summer the sort of beginning of the season that's where you get the opportunity to maybe do some team building where i've done some i've done some strange things before i've been went um went to sweden for for three days and got uh, stayed in I think it was three days three nights maybe where you're in a different tent with a different player you have to introduce that player the next day and again making the players understand each other as quick as possible and again you can do that in January but there's different ways to do that interesting did, did you ever make a January transfer move yourself as a player <laughs> no wasn't that wanted if I'm honest <laughs> but I think again it's it's what's required for certain teams at that point in time um, what managers need and what, what's out there what's the availability and I know obviously January will drive prices probably higher because of what they can ask for and I think obviously what they need to keep within their squad so yeah I wasn't um, I've never been part of that were there any coaches that you felt you you settled particularly quickly under? Can you put your finger on why that might have been? I think you just when you're when you're going to a new club, you feel wanted, don't you? And I think that's what the players will feel. So they they, they know they're wanted beforehand. I think those again open communication with that and um, just making them settled as quick as they can. And there's all the managers will have the different ways of doing that. Um, and again, we have our way, and that's and that's what it is. But I think you know when you're coming in the building that you're wanted, and that's obviously a, a good sign and makes you feel that you can. They know the player that they're getting, um, and they, they they can go and do what they they've been doing best, and that's that's the main bit behind it. So, si, what about you? Any any coaches who you've worked under? Anything you can kind of highlight that um, kind of stood out as ways that you saw someone else that you've learned from? Uh, who who helped helped a new player settle, help a new player helped a new player into a new environment particularly well? Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've worked with with a few um, sort of standouts. Uh, I worked at, at West Ham for a few years before I worked at Arsenal, and uh, shouldn't say this out loud, maybe, but as a West Ham fan, it, you know, it's a fantastic experience. Tony Carr was my boss, and Tony's got a, as we all know, in youth football, got a track record of of producing, you know, some great players. Like Frank Lampard and Ferdinand and Joe Cole and Carrick and Defoe and you know you can list his end list. But the important thing um, with Tony was he had a really good assistant in the guy called Paul Heffer, and Paul had this knack of just making you feel at ease. Um, he made the players feel at ease. He made the coaches feel at ease. Um, and he, he probably won't be grateful for me saying this, but almost like a grandfather figure because you kind of just warmed to him. He had that real manner. Um, and he just had sincerity in his approach, and he was just just a normal voice. He didn't try to be something he wasn't. He didn't have a change in his tone. He was so balanced. And um, and he used to say, you know, when things are going well, if you don't get too high and don't get too down, and just he was just, you know, he was just he's like a human paracetamol. You have a really bad day, and you can speak to him, and just cleared your head. But the, the the key thing that he had was he was just authentic. He was just genuine. And um, I think working with young players, um, they'll, they'll suss you out if, if, if you're not, 
you know they'll work you out if you're not and um yeah he, he's he's one in particular kind of in the shadow of tony a little bit because tony you know, took all the the limelights and the accolades but even tony was like you know paul heifer for those reasons Amazing. I think uh, human paracetamol is uh, one of the best compliments I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Mark, uh, any challenges, without uh, going into too much detail specifically about uh, Cardiff, maybe drawing on um, your time at Huddersfield, any sort of challenges you find in the uh, transfer window with a championship side? Um, obviously, there's a, there's a limit to what you can do. Yeah, I think obviously there's there's a limit to whatever football club you're at, isn't there? It's not um, it's not an open book. And think about it, talking about the balance of the squad, you've got to make sure that you've you've researched your players and know what they bring. And I think you've got to make sure that they're the right characters. That's it's not just the player. You're you're gonna look into how they are, how they handle themselves, and what they can bring. So I think again, you've just got to you've got to have your knowledge, and you've got to work within that um, and again every club has their ceiling I suppose with with regards to that and on what you can bring in depending on what your squad size is etc uh, etc et but again it's you have a framework to work with and you work within it Fair play um, Alright uh, Miguel are you there have you got a question for the guys Hello guys um, my question is around Donny van der Beek I wanted your opinion on, on his move to Everton when I first heard the rumors, I thought it was when that he had a choice between Crystal Palace and Everton. I thought Crystal Palace was a better fit for him, the way that they're playing this season, and especially and and with Everton changing managers, a lot of doubt there, and especially now that they're signing Dele Ali, which I see, they think they're two players that at their best they're probably in the same role, and at the end of the day, Donny's going to be there only six months, no option to buy. While Dele Ali is going to be a permanent buy, so he, you know, Frank Lampard can plan with Dele Ali in the future. So I think that can that can put Donny's whole minutes not so great. If I sorry for my English, but that's basically my question. I think from Van der Beek's point of view, I think he wants to go and play games, and obviously he's had a, a conversation with the manager at Everton um, and that's something that's going to come to fruition I think he will have spoke with him about how the, the team looked to play and some assurances along those lines I imagine <laughs> and um, with a feeling of want, that being wanted again um, I think we can we can all say there's, there's there'll be lots of rumours about whether if it was Palace for instance you don't know how far that would have got um, could just be a rumour but Everton have pushed for a player and he's obviously feeling wanted to go so again you've got to take into maybe location and the the whole sort of everything that surrounds the move um, and again where he feels comfortable and I think that's the main thing he's going to feel wanted he's going to go play games and you can look at the long term after that I think you got to look at it. it's a, it's a short term short term loan, and location would be key. He's already moved from one country to another. He probably doesn't want to move from one region to another. He's possibly got family here, um, and, and these things are you know important factors. So probably some logistical stuff there as well. Interesting stuff. Um, just finally, uh, we've, we've had a lot of change in uh, players uh, recently, but um, big change at Watford with Roy Hodgson going in um any thoughts on the job he's got on his hands um doesn't look like Watford have done too much in the transfer window do they have a squad um 
to for him to keep them up? Good question. <laughs> um, I think we'll, we'll both probably have a thought on this, but I think he's going to go in and, and and give them a base, give them a structure. Knowing the way he has been over the years, he'll clear communication of what is required individually and as a team collective. And you'll see a very, I suppose, stubborn team, hard to break down. Uh, they've got pace in there that they can hurt teams. They've got goals in the team. So it's about giving them uh, a confidence in their team structure to go and then uh, sort of exploit oppositions, which I'm sure he'll he'll find. And they've got, uh, they're very used to each other. Uh, Roy and um, Ray, isn't it? And they'll work hard. They'll, they'll give every bit that they can to that, that squad. And I'm sure, you'll, again, you'll see a, a different Watford than you have seen before. That's it for this week's episode. But if you're a coach yourself, you may be interested in our very own coach education platform, the CV Academy. Aimed at coaches at all levels of the game, it helps them develop through premium coach-focused content delivered by a growing network of elite academy and grassroots coaches. You'll find loads of great content on there, including our latest coaching course with Southampton Lead Foundation phase coach Lee Smith and a host of new session plans. We're also giving listeners to CV Spaces or the podcast 50% off their first month when you sign up to the CV Academy. All you need to do is use the discount code CV Spaces when you reach the checkout. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and we'll be back next week with more top level coaches analysing the biggest talking points in the elite game and sharing best practices, advice and insights. If you want to join the next CV Spaces live and join the discussion, then drop us a follow on Twitter at Coaches Voice. A big thank you again to our guest speakers, Mark and Sai, and thanks everyone who listened.